creator of the Bind Podcast, where we talk all things relationship. A little bit of housekeeping before we get started. First of all, huge thank you to all of you who continue to listen, who continue to reach out. Uh, I think that that is awesome. Please remember, I know some of you have reached out asking if I would be your individual therapist, and um, I am not able to do that. For one, I am full currently, and for two, if you do not reside in the state of Indiana, I would not be able to serve as your therapist anyways, as my license is valid in the state of Indiana only. But one of the best things you can do if you are enjoying what you're hearing and if you're benefiting from it is, number one, if you feel like you need that additional help, please go find a therapist uh, close to you or within your state that you believe aligns and resonates with what you are looking to do in your own work and get that set up for yourself. And two, if you are so willing, I would appreciate if you go to thebindpodcast.com and sign up for the email subscription and I will send out uh, reminders of when I have new material out. Uh, I do not tend to send that every week. I will do my best to do better about that. But this is how we begin building a community and, um, and I will work on increasing my communication with you all so that way you know when new material is out. Also, for those of you who have gone on and liked my Facebook page and my Twitter feed, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, knowing that you all are out there and you're existing, I will challenge myself to figure out this world of social media and post meaningful information, thoughtful information that you may be able to take with you in other contexts of your life and apply it. Uh, so thank you. You're all great. All right. So we're going we're gonna to dive back in to the last session that we had and it was talking about children communicating with their parents when it comes to sexual abuse and um man i tell you what if if you all aren't processing this information if nothing else i suppose i'm doing my podcast project as a way to challenge myself to grow and i feel like i'm continually growing but the good news is is as i talk with the professionals i talk to who I have been very, very fortunate to just surround myself by who I consider in my field to be like the it people that are, they're published, they are renowned, uh, they're well respected in the field. And it's very fun to listen to them and hear them say things like, oh, okay, well, this person wrote a book and it's got great material. And even though it was written in 2005, it still has relevant information. And um, <laughs> and so what, what I heard when the presenter this past weekend that I worked with was, uh, say was, hey, you know, as humans in progress, we present information that is, that may be very, very relevant to the place where we are in time. But, um, a good, a good tone to humility is the willingness to constantly grow, change, evolve as an individual human and not stay stagnant where you are but to embrace the reality that this world is something that provokes naturally the evolution of humanity and nature and all of those elements. So if nothing else, as I do this podcast, it continually challenges me and provokes me to question myself. And uh, if I always mean what I say, which I, I don't, like I think that that's a natural element of being a human is sometimes we say things and we're processing it and we're chewing on it. But when we really, really go within ourselves and do our self-work, uh, we find where um, I find that sometimes I don't fully agree with the thing that came out of my mouth, or I find that there is much more to the story than what 
uh, was able to be communicated, especially in social media form. And so that just challenges me within my sacred world, within the world that I interact with as a living, breathing, moving, multidimensional human being. I try my best to apply it uh, full-fledged in that world as best as I can as a human and as best as I can on a medium like social media where everything is incredibly loud but extremely far away all at the same time. That being said, I think it's important for you to know that I have waited and waited and waited to talk about a concept such as sexuality, especially sexuality involving children for a very long time. Number one, I did not feel it was appropriate whatsoever to be attempting to give any form of expertise in the realm of sexuality at the very beginning of my PhD program. I really, truly respect the individuals who have invested time, resources, a lot more to really know their expertise and how to guide people well in their expertise. And uh, I really wanted, as a person who is pursuing my certification as a sex therapist, as a person who is pursuing my PhD in clinical sexology, I really wanted to um, give myself time to be a student before I assumed I could just jump in and be a teacher or a wisdom provider or provoker, however you look at me. So I think that when my client had posed the question to me that we, we processed in the last session, which was, Andrea, will my child only come to me if they are sexually abused, if they have a secure attachment? Uh, that's what we processed in the last podcast session. And at that time, I was like, okay, I guess that this is the time we're going to dive in and we're going to try to do the vulnerable thing and begin offering a systemic approach to sexuality, sexuality in children, sexual abuse that happens to children. And we can also talk about that with adults. Uh, I am willing to begin incorporating that into systemic attachment and trauma processing uh, that we do here on The Bind. That being said, after I did that that podcast and I went back and I always re-listened to my podcast for better or for worse and I really, there were so many things where I'm like this is such an unfair thing to be posting because there's so much more to it and I'm going to add to what I processed with you all in the last podcast session. And then I'm going to say, I want for you to hear me. If you hear nothing else today, if you feel triggered today, if you feel at odds with me today, what I want you to hear is this is a subject matter that cannot exist in a vacuum. It is vast. It is complex. It is systemic. Uh, and I will never, no human will ever be able to do justice when it comes to processing human sexuality and especially human sexuality that impacts small children because the the thing about small children is that while all of us are works in progress and when i say all of us i'm i'm separating out teens slash adolescents young adults and adults moving forward from young children for this specific reason that there is in my opinion, in my humble opinion, there is no uh, greater break in parts of self than what the child self experiences and processes about their life and how the adult self holds that moving forward in, in life. Uh, it's, it's extremely complex. And I think that that's 
somewhat what provoked me to say, okay, we've got to say more on this topic in the next podcast session. So in the last podcast session, I had made this blanket statement that my client was asking me, essentially what my client was asking me is how will I know if my kids are safe? And I don't know if I did a good job communicating that that's what my, my client was asking. So I work with individuals who are constantly, they are constantly challenging themselves to be the best human being that they can be for the human beings that are in their lives. And I wondered from an audience perspective, if you all were sitting on your side, hearing what I had processed with my client, wondering like, why is, why is this person asking Andrea this question? And uh, there might be like an assumption, like is somebody in danger and she's trying to communicate, she believes somebody is in danger. The question wasn't being asked because my client had an assumption that her children were not safe. The question was being asked because my client was coming from the perspective of what can I do, what could I possibly miss as the parent, as the mother of my children that I need to know about because I feel scared. And that is something I, I want to process very intentionally with you all about the, um, there is something magnanimous about our sexuality and there's something magnanimous about the vulnerability of our children and the charge that we have to keep our young humans in this world safe from dangerous situations. I wish, like, somebody get on and talk to me. Have this conversation with me. How unsafe do you feel as a human being when it comes to sexuality and safeness. So your own sexuality, how safe do you feel with your own sexuality? How safe do you feel if you are the guardian of somebody else's sexuality? And if you really want me to blow your mind, uh, what I would say to that is I want to give you an assignment to just attune your intuition's eye to the idea of sexuality and sexual messages that we receive, both uh, what uh, messages that you perceive as safe, messages that you perceive as negative, ne uh, messages that you perceive as holding an agenda. And you will notice that there are all sorts of agendas surrounding us when it comes to sexuality. And I think as a result of that, we have this very hyperbolized um, hypervigilance towards sexuality. And it is very apparent that it is hyperbolized when it comes to parenting young, vulnerable human beings. And I think that sometimes we take their vulnerability and we take this beast that is sexuality and we assume that our little, fragile human beings simply couldn't take that exposure. And I would say to that, th there probably are absolute levels. I would say as a parent of young children, I am learning that there are levels and degrees of sexuality and the introduction to sexuality for my children. And so, you know, there are certain conversations I simply don't have with my kids. And uh, I couldn't possibly tell you all what your conversations with your kids about sexuality should look like and when they should occur. But what I will stand firm on is that your children should understand the existence of sexual organs, if not for the sexual nature of the organs, for the simple biological nature of the organs. Children should know that they have genitalia. We shouldn't be writing this out of a 
uh, very significant time in their life. This is developmental years, and children will pick up on messages according to how certain uh, elements of who they are is either dealt with, avoided, um, shamed, guilted, etc. So um, I, I want to try not to get too lost too far away because I understand what I was saying to you at the beginning of this session is that where this mother was coming from as far as what she wanted to know and how to keep her children safe, how to assure that her children would communicate with her, that they were in some sort of sexual danger. And the greatest answer I'm going to give you, the way that you can do this is you can hold an attunement. Um, you know, a lot of people are fairly reactive when, when their children give them a piece of information that startles the parent. So, um, you know, it's not surprising. I think pretty much every parent is going to get a piece of information, a piece of information from their child that gives them a sense of startle and worry and fear. And uh, I think that sometimes that fear has been hyperbolized by this, um, this big bad wolf story, this big bad wolf narrative that society has given us when it comes to children and sexuality. And sometimes our systems that we're part of can actually perpetuate that fear. I think the intention, I want to hope that the intention is good and, you know, quote unquote, wholesome, and it comes from a positive place. But it's not working. Because when it comes to our little humans, when it comes to ourselves, we all come from these sacredly unique places. We all have sacred stories that impact where we sit with certain situations. And so that attunement is a willingness to become intimately close with your own sacred story and how your own sacred story is colliding with your child's sacred story and how your child's sacred story is colliding with uh, your partner, if you have one, your partner's sacred story or their other parent, assuming that, that both biological parents or there are two guardians, whoever the dominant attachment figures are, whoever the dominant, um, and when I say attachment figures, like a child to a child is an attachment scenario. So how are everybody's stories colliding with one another and what's the goal of that system? And in the event that a child does try to communicate to you that something is is wrong, that they are in some sort of danger, the best thing you can do is most likely A, believe them and trust them, or B, um, ask more questions. If you're not sure, if something feels hard for you, if, if your child gave you a piece of information and that feels really hard for you and your body has a, a negative sort of response to it, it would be very, very easy to go into defense mode and tell the children that what they're saying is a lie. But the better thing to do would be to say, I don't have enough information yet. Let me see what kind of questions I can ask you so we get a more clear picture. And really that clarity, that point of connection, that willingness to ask, that is an element of safety for that child. When they know that you're trying to discern and gain more information, they will most likely open up to you. And you as a leading guardian in this human's life most likely will be able to discern the truth of what is going on. And then you have to ask harder questions. If it does turn out 
that your child is in a dangerous situation, then you have to ask yourself a harder question of, am I willing on behalf of my child to go through the hard things I know I'm going to have to go through in order to continue with their the support that I want to give them and the safety that I want to offer them. Because where most kids have gotten into trouble when they were younger is that they did attempt to communicate to their parents that something was happening to them and it was shut down. And I think a lot of times kids get shut down because parents simply can't face what all of the consequences mean in order to um, bring to light a negative uh, dangerous situation because oftentimes it happens within the system the entire family is part of. So talking in terms of this particular type of situation with kids and sexual dilemmas, what I want to encourage you on is that if you are willing to be receptive, if you are willing to ask more questions to get more clarity and have a better understanding of a situation rather than becoming responsive, uh, that is, that's going to open that door for your children to understand that you are a safe person and safe in the context of you can handle it. Uh, and, and that's when kids will open up to parents. But if you're reactive, that's going to send fear signals into your child. And it's also like, we're very, very quick to call children liars. And I think that we often do this. I'm not saying that some kids don't lie, like kids, kids lie. But I think that sometimes we accuse kids of being liars because it's just a quick, easy way to not have to walk into something that could be harder than we believe we are capable of dealing with. And so that is a very real possibility when it comes to processing your children and their sexual experiences, their sexual curiosities, uh, their sexual, uh, their growing and developing sexual knowledge and intelligence. Um, so, so let me just say it this way. In the event that you have cultivated a space in which your children are learning, it is safe for them to be open with you about their questions, their curiosities, and their concerns. Um, what I would say is if they bring a concern to you that something may be happening to them sexually in the event that it is a more predatorial situation like an adult toward a child um, or an older like adolescent preteen to a younger child uh, and we'll in the next session I'll talk about like why I pair ch young children equal in age different as a different situation it could be equally harmful but it is a it is typically a different situation um, I do not label young children as predators, um, and I'll tell you why in the next session. But in the event that your child is coming to you that something sexually concerning is happening to them or sexually dangerous is happening to them, more than likely that child is not making that up. Kids don't really have a huge vocabulary for sexuality in the first place, and if sexuality isn't something that children are typically introduced to, how would they know to conspire or uh, tell you something is happening to them that they don't really have a context for? That isn't realistic for kids. Kids are young, they're learning, uh, they are not as exposed as adults have been when it comes to our sexuality. 
And so I want for you to lock that in as part of your processing. If your children bring you something difficult and it feels hard to believe or you are in shock, I want you to check in with yourself and say, instead of going to a place of disbelief, is it possible that I'm in shock and I'm fearing having to move forward and do a difficult thing? And I have encountered situations in which one parent does believe the child and then the other parent shuts down the idea or they will not support the other parent in pursuing the appropriate course of action to make sure that that child is safe. And um, that is a very unfortunate situation. It does happen and it is very damaging. But that is not today's session. So today is all about you working on your ability to introspect, to check in with yourself. What is happening for me that my child shared this information Am I cultivating a relationship with my child in which they don't fear that I can't handle the difficult things that they bring to me? Because kids just really want to know what they're really looking for is consistent reliance, not perfection. You won't get it perfect and you won't give your child every single answer that they ever want to hear. This isn't possible. But the support and the willingness to hear them and come alongside of them to understand more information, to guide them when um, when they did misinterpret something or to help them navigate their boundaries when they felt violated by something but it didn't actually constitute anything illegal. You know, it's not unusual uh, for my kids to smack butts in our house. <laughs> it's something that they do that uh, they seem to think is just a hoot. We don't do it to other people's families, but my kids will very normally walk up behind me and uh, and think that they're being funny. And I tell my children, I look at them directly and I say, kids, mommy does not like when you smack her bottom. And I need for you to stop because you're, you're disrespecting my boundaries. And when they hear that, and do I have to tell them multiple times? Sometimes, yes. But they are beginning to understand. I'm having the conversation with them simultaneously that this isn't just a matter of them getting permission to be goofy and do what pleases them but they are building a context for understanding the reciprocation of respectability. And so when my kids say to me, mommy, I do not like you touching me like that, or I am pretty big on giving my kiddos kisses. And if I give them a kiss on the cheek and they say, mommy, I don't want you to give me a kiss right now, I don't get to circumvent um, or uh, supersede their boundaries because I'm the mom, what I do is I say, okay, thank you for sharing that with me. I will not be giving you a kiss on the cheek right now. And I will ask you in the future. Um, sometimes, you know, be careful how you hear that. Uh, I think sometimes intimacy within family settings is just a free flowing, um, it's a free flowing entity. And so I don't always ask permission. Like sometimes I just understand that there's permission there for me to give my kids a kiss on the cheek and let them know I'm there for them. But sometimes they're feeling some sort of way that they need their space and they need their space to be respected. And kids, just like any other adult, will be excellent to communicate that so long as we as adults permit them to have the rights to their bodies and their boundaries and understand that that reciprocation goes both ways. So it's a consistent teaching of intimate respectability and responsibility. So I hope that this was helpful. I hope that this was a springboard and really that's all that this is. This is merely a springboard for you to begin doing that harder work of discovering like who am I as a a parent or a guardian figure? Who is my partner as a parent or a guardian figure? Who are the other people 
in our little humans worlds that can also have some clout in in this area of their lives and how do we want to begin helping navigate the boundaries with our kids and for our kids to help them understand that they are invited to share what is appropriate as far as they are concerned and what is not appropriate as far as they are concerned. Uh, it's, it's an all-inclusive process, and uh, I really do believe that it is unique and sacred to every single family. So again, this is merely a springboard, but I do think that the information is a palpable springboard in which many people can grow and begin the discerning process and begin the inner work of asking yourself, where do I stand on these issues and how do I navigate them when they are difficult for me? So I can provide a safe space for my child to know that I'm someone reliable they can come to and I'm not going to bulldoze them, shut them down, berate them, shame them, or guilt them uh, for their natural curiosity as growing humans. As always, I appreciate you all for tuning in. And if you have any questions, if you would like me to further elaborate on something, um, be feel more than welcome to reach out and pose those questions. If you liked what you heard, please join the email subscription at thebindpodcast.com. And you can join me on social media. I do have the Facebook page at The Bind Podcast. And I do have Twitter at The Bind Podcast, or it might be at Bind Podcast. Just look up Andrea Eric's Bind Podcast. You should be able to find me. Um, just know that this podcast is really my dominant mode of communication. And then if I feel like there's further need for elaboration, I will do that on one or both social media forums. Uh, but anyways, I'm excited to build the community. So if you're willing, please join some way, somehow. I thank you. I hope you have a great week. We will continue to dive into the series on children and sexuality in our next session. Uh, so stay tuned. Thank you all. Have a great week. 